Driven Minds is your host, Franz Bowen. And uh, your other host, Travis Beats. And uh, today we have a very special guest. Very special. Super wavy. The illustrious. Anastasia Wright. The dope one. Um, founder of IMG Agency. Founder of uh, Minds Behind the Music. Uh, welcome, Anastasia. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You know, I know you like personally. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, you got some. You definitely have some stories. Stage, like um, when I first moved back to New York a few years ago, she was actually one of the first real people that just you know, you know, brought me on a wing and you know learned, learned, well, taught me a lot of things about the music industry, about um, business relationships, a lot of stuff that you know I was green on. She definitely uh, shared a lot of information with me. Personally, and through her conferences that she goes through her nonprofit, but um, we're gonna let her talk about that more. First, let's start with you know, where, where'd you how did this all start? Where did this love for the music industry come from? <coughs> um, damn, I am old, so excuse me, I have to like flip through my <laughs> memories. Um, I always had an appreciation for the arts. Um, as far back as I can remember, I was balleting, tap dancing, art classing at Brooklyn Museum. I'm from Brooklyn, so yes, black people were well off in Brooklyn before <laughs> 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 the whole gentrification. Hey, you was one of I had a childhood. Like, yeah, black people did those things. Um, so, um, I always, and music was always in the home. My mom is a really big um, music fan. Like, she would play everything from Beatles, Jimi Hendrix, and Joplin, Ohio Players, Ronald Lizey, Ivy Brothers. And then I kind of got into my own thing when in like the early 90s with hip hop and pop wave. The 90s was just a really amazing decade for music in terms of just me thinking about my experiences with, you know, running home to watch TRL and skipping school to go get my CD signed from DMX at fucking Tower Records. You know, it's just like, <laughs> it's just like that was just what you did. Um, like reading liner notes on the bus, you had to carry a CD pack. Thanks. And like that shit was hard. When the Discman came out, you had to get the cool color of the Discman. Like <laughs> I feel, I feel like my generation were like the perfect mix. Like I can appreciate music before this whole digital economy came about, but I also was around when it started. So it's nice. kind of like. A cool place to be in, cause like I remember I had cassette tapes, you know I had, I bought cassette tapes, I bought singles, you know, but I was also there when the first MP3 came out, when you know iTunes came out, when so it's kind of been interesting to kind of be in it on a consumer side, but I feel like I've always had a creative brain, <coughs> a dual dual brain. Um, I never wanted to be an artist or whatever performer, but. I figured I would probably always work in music or some sort of creative field. That's dope. Right. So, um, when I first met you, you were working for um, RCA, the label at the time. And that was before you actually started your um, company, or it could have been around the same time. Um, what did you get from working with, working at a label? What did you get from the artist interactions? What did you get from how the label treated the artist? What did you, what did you feel you, you learned while working there to that you use for your business now? Um, I, well, even before RCA, so let's back up a little bit. Sure. So, <laughs> um, RCA was probably, well, RCA to this day is my only full-time job. That's like, in terms of like, marriage, like, contractually, really? like, I was out in these streets. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not know that. I was not, I was not, Committed to anybody. Um, mm. RCA was my first real, like, full time, only even employee job. 
Bef- and what she's doing before that? Huh? You had like four pounds of Reggie in the bag. <laughs> 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 No, when I graduated, so RCA was from about 2011, no, no, 2012 to 2014. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, when I graduated in 2008, the job market was crazy. Um, but I had put in like mad. I had, I had, I, I did what I was supposed to do in college. Um, so I had a lot of good internships, I had relationships, and I was like, Oh, honey, guys, didn't want to hire me, but it was crazy. Like, the whole world was coming to an end. These fucking financial companies falling. It was like, oh, yeah, what am I scary? But, like, not really, because it didn't really affect me. But it's just, it was just a weird time. Yeah, so, it was a crazy time. I went on, like, a lot of interviews and stuff, but I never, like, I was always like, one of two, one of two, one of two. Check out, like, annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I applied for a job at Bader. And that ended up being like a field marketing. I thought it was for Fader, but it was actually for Cornerstone Agency on its face. And I didn't know that until I got to the interview. I was like, oh, okay. Um, and I got hired to be a field rep, which is basically contract work. So whatever Cornerstone clients were doing, they would hire us to go in the field and actually do it. So, if Nike was doing an activation, or what did I work on? I worked on Kanan's album. I worked on um, a whole bunch of shit sneaker company, I want to say. No, it was Reebok. I did a whole bunch of Reebok activations. Um, a couple other stuff. But basically, like, in the, like do the street actual episode, be on site, um, Going to the stores, the retail partners, making sure things are where they should be for a particular uh, campaign, all that stuff. But I also was like in the office a little bit too, so I started helping out. Like I was doing PR for Baby Ford that year and helping out over here. And like, so that was like my first job job. Um, okay. <clears throat> but again, like it wasn't full time. I was contracted. Right. And then a friend of mine that I interned with told me about temping. And I was like, what the hell is that? And he's like, basically, you're an employee, but with no benefits. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so he was like, I got hired through my tough assignment. You should try it. And that's when I went to a Vanguard agency, um, which is a temp agency that I, I still think they handle all the higher, the, the temp work or contract work for Universal and Sony. <clears throat> um, I still think they still have those contracts. But I sent my resume in, and she was like, oh, you're perfect. And then I got sent on an assignment. It was like two days. And that Where? was... It was at Sony for some executive, like, executive suite. Like, Sony, well, the old Sony building, God bless you, soul. Um, and the top floor is, like, 20, 29 with the executive floors. So those were, like, the heads of, like, the actual Sony music. So, <clears throat> like, head of global digital, you know, things like that. Not label specific. So I put in there was Dennis something. And you know, his assistant was out. So they that's what they do. They hire temps to come in for the day to cover for, you know, whoever. So I mean I got a glowing review, they love me, and then I never stopped working for like the next four years. Wow, so nice. I was always on assignment. Um so I started at Sony, like the work picked up so much that I had to leave Cornerstone. Um, and keep myself available. And some assignments were longer than others. Some assignments were a day. Other assignments were months. And in the term of my tenure at Interscope, I was there for two years. So as a freelancer, contractor, whatever the hell you want to term it as. But <clears throat> so that's kind of like why I've been able to kind of bounce around and have the freedom to do things on the side, um, and as well as get experience on the inside. So I think more so than RCA, I think the time that I spent working, I've worked at 12 major rewarding labels and Devo through that whole, through those whole years. In every field imaginable from marketing to graphic design. So you got like a really good 
like all around education on how right. to it was like a long ass rotational program. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm pretty sure that's how you also working and interacting with the artists and the labels. Well. Yeah, that's how I met a lot of people and like like good work takes good work and a good attitude and a positive attitude is something that is remembered. So you know, I always did my job to do well, and I think. In the music industry, there's a lot of people who are very fanatic and frantic. Some very calm, so I think, like, especially the executives, they appreciate that. Right. Some, like, another person, my old boss, thought I was very robotic because I didn't give her nothing. Hmm. Just be like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that time you kind of knew, um, <laughs> when did you kind of knew? Because I know you, um, I, I know IMG agency has been around for a little when you kind of know, like, okay, it's time. Like, I'm ready. Right. Totally. Um, it, it had nothing to do with the job. It mm. was just um, a life event my grandmother passed oh, in April, two years ago, April 2014. And literally, like, that will change you. Like, it really changes your whole perspective on Absolutely. life and yourself and I mean it wasn't like oh leaving and like I, I was happy I wasn't happy in the room for a while but you know that was kind of like the definitive t- time for me where I was like okay I'm gonna get out of here because I'm not happy and I need to be happy because I never know what's gonna happen and my grandmother went away being happy so like, I was just, it was, like, a very traumatic event. I'm very close to my grandmother. And I just checked out. Like, I literally checked out. Like, mm-hmm. I was just like, I'm not here. Um, mm-hmm. It's clear. I literally called the meeting. They thought I was asking for my review. <laughs> it <was> funny. <laughs> I called the meeting with my voices. And I was like, I'm going to be transitioning out of this role. So, and I didn't initially put a time frame on. I just wanted to be very upfront and honest. Had you been considering, like, leaving... Prior to that, yeah. or okay, yeah, but I hadn't been vocal about it. Like we had, you know, there were some str- struggles between, particularly one boss over the other, um, and I think we we all knew that I was overqualified for the role, but we wanted to try and see how it went anyway, because um, I needed the agency I was at prior to was kind of crazy, so I was just like, get me out of here. So. Yeah. Um, you know, it was it just wasn't a good fit personality wise, and it was just like, why are we all struggling here? Like, <laughs> you need somebody who wants to be here, and I don't want to be here. And I deserve to be, you know, do something that I want to that I want to do. So that's honest, right? And so I think you know they for whatever they want to say, like things happen even after I left RCA. I heard things, but. I was honest and I I was forthright and I did a lot more than other people usually do. They just up and fucking quit. Right. So like I was respectful. I know that they at least have to. They can't say anything about that. I was professional and um, honest. So that's what's up. So they say whatever they want. So you 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 enjoyed a a very uh, I guess a healthy educational process you know, with the music business because you've worked all facets of the business and now you're transitioning out of of the comfort, so to speak, of, you know, uh, nine to five or what have you or mm-hmm. eight to whatever. Um, what's your first, I guess, like, order of action? Like, now now you're like, all right, I'm out. I have the, all of this time now. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are, like, the first one or two steps that you took? Um... Okay, I'm going to backtrack again. <laughs> so, I've had IMG for... I started the company as a senior in college with my partner, Carson. Hi, Carson. Um, so, I... Did he see something? No, he, he went to the, the art school. I have, a, I have a business degree. So, I went to school essentially for business with a concentration in marketing. So, it, I started the company because I knew how to do it, and I had a client, like, this is like, how old was I? I was like 20, 21, 
Um, I had a client for a company, so I was. <laughs> so for those who don't know about Brooklyn, Brooklyn is like this party promoter town. So <laughs> and I'm West Indian, so I had a bone to pick with these horrible ass male promoters, these horrible ass flyers. I was so upset. I was like, I'm gonna be a promoter. I can do so much better. I can t- I can choose better girls for the flyers. Like I was like, I'm gonna throw a party. So I went to um, oh my god, my Caribbean city. What's the joint on Flatbush? I don't know, man. No. Oh my god, it's just it's not open anymore. It's like it was a well known club in Brooklyn. Oh my god, you can't tell me about anything. It was on. It's on Flatbush. It was one of the um the hood clubs. It's like yeah, it was open to like seven in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely wasn't through that. <laughs> it's like five peppers. Well, I don't know. I love Pepper Little Shots. Uh, Word. Shout out to Pepper. <laughs> What's that near Fenimore? You know, Travis and I had an experience near Fenimore. Yes. What 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 you lived by? The uh the wine shop. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's very he's like, Oh, okay. This this what we doing this evening? Some Brooklyn days. <laughs> um, yeah, it's real Brooklyn right now. I was yeah. like but, um, but anyway, so I went there with my little boyfriend slash you know, my big manager security. I'm talking to the owner. And um I'm trying to do this party and then the dude, some dude that does promotion for the club overheard me and I was interning at Death Jam at the and I was over here talking about myself up. And he was like, well, we're looking for somebody to help do um, college marketing for Caribbean Carrie Fest. And I was like, oh. I was like, well, what's your budget? And he's like, blah, blah, blah. So I went back to school the next day and was like, okay, do you want to you make some money? You want to make some money? You want to make some money? And I put together my little makeshift team. And that was, <laughs> that was literally... The beginning, and then like, so I didn't want to be janky, so I was like, all right, I gotta incorporate this shit and and like make it a real thing. And we went through man name changes and blah blah blah. blah. Um, so all that happened already. Like I had taken care of like incorporating it as an LLC, getting the bank account set up, um, EIN registration, all of that. Like. By the time I was at RCA, I had already paid taxes on my IMG. Like, I was, you, you know, like, I already, it was there, but I wasn't utilizing it. Right, right. I wasn't working with it at the time. Like, when I was at RCA, I was truly focused on just RCA for a long time. And in, in, in a while, I hadn't done that, and I wanted to really focus on that job. So, it was kind of like a decision to go back to that, to, like, go back to something that, um... I had started and felt the need to revisit right. and really that's, work in it, like really give it my all. And that's like a good key right there too. <laughs> For people listening, like that's a good key. Like you may start something and it may not be the right time at that moment. Um, you may have to go through experience and then go back to it and all of a sudden you know exactly how to utilize it, how to work it. So yeah. you know that's a perfect example. <laughs> we, we graduated, we thought we was, we had our office, like double. Wow. I, man, I spent, say, yo, I, was, uh, I lost so much money. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> and that's, and that's the whole part of the process. Oh but even to get more specific, too, let's, let's let the people know exactly what is IMG Agency and what do you do along okay. with the company. Um, IMG Agency, formerly Imperial Marketing. Everybody just started calling us IMG short, so I just kind of ran with it. Um, it's a communications agency, essentially offering event planning, marketing strategy, brand management, and public relations strategy. Primarily focused on the entertainment space, given my background. So I work a lot with musicians or companies within the music space. But when I left RCA, I had the opportunity to expand. So. You know, I did. I worked with City MD. Like, I handled their expansion into New Jersey, which was awesome. And I worked with a startup called Soundwall um, on their brand strategy and PR strategy. So that was, you know, so that was cool. Um, but um, essentially, this is what we do. We, we help people figure out who they are and then how to best craft that message and then how to get it out to their specific publics, which 
can be different depending on who you are, you're trying to reach. Um, and also with the freedom to now really try my hand at anything, um, I started managing an artist. So artist management, artist development is not necessarily, artist development and artist management is different from brand management, just to be <laughs> clear. Um, so it's not something that I offer, but it's something that I felt propelled to do after I saw a particular artist live. Um, so well, we gonna get to that. <laughs> so um, I have managed an artist about the same time that I left. Like I feel like it's concluded. Like it's been two years, about two years, and I've been managing an artist about two years. So mm-hmm. that's been interesting. Um, so that's really what I do. Like I help people get their vision out. I help people get their music, whatever it is, their vision, their music, their company, mission state, whatever. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> she definitely, Anastasia is definitely one of the most intelligent and enthusiastic people in the industry that I've come across. My mommy would say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'll even go back to when I first when I first met you um, with your, your non-profit company, Minds Behind the Music, is how we first met. Like, But she's not telling you, too. I was talking about that. Yeah, she's not telling you how much of an educator she is, too, because I went to a, a panel you had. I forgot what school it made. It? it was the one with the dude from Rock Nation. Asha, I think it's oh, Shahendra. Shahendra. That was the one at NYU. NYU. So I went to, I go to this conference, and um, Anastasia is there moderating, well, not moderating, she's doing a one-on-one panel with Shahendra. Um, that was my first time. That was the first one? Oh, I didn't even, that's crazy, I didn't even know. I didn't, I didn't even know that, you know what I mean? And I was there, I think um, you was there too. At NYU? Yeah, Fonz, I believe you was there too, if I'm not mistaken. And, um, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I have to check the tape on that. <laughs> but, um, you know, I remember being there because I, I was, I was not, you know, but I just remember being so inspired and, like, just so blown away. Like, I want to do what he does. Like, it's dope. Like, and yeah. not, not only that, I was just so inspired of the um the platform you were given for people that, like, you know, don't have to spend a whole lot of money to get all this information and education if they have a passion for the music business, you know? So I was there just soaking it all in. And I'm like, this is dope. I remember after the um, panel, I came up to you like, yo, I have this company, Jim Society. I You probably don't remember because you meet a lot of people. A lot of people do that to you, but that's how we met. So let's, let's start. Let's talk about more about um, Minds Behind the Music and the purpose behind that. What, what made you start that? <coughs> well, at, at first, it was a selfish, selfish mission. It was a shameless way to promote my company. Mm-hmm. So me and Carson, like, we had the, my Mind of Music was a summit. It was a day summit once upon a time. Um, we had the first one in 2009 at, like, PNC Radio and in, in, in Dumbo. And it was awesome, but it was really just the way we wanted to promote our company and, like, showcase what we're able to do and, you know, bring out our connections and blah, 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 blah. Um, but it went so well, and it was like, oh, we should do this every year. So mm-hmm. then we did it next year. We did it, the one in 2010, and that one was amazing, equally amazing. But then things got busy, um, and we kind of just let it fall to the wayside. And then ever since then, between 2010 and 2013, people were like, why are you doing my music again? Why are you doing my music again? And I'm like, that shit takes a lot of work. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't have like I don't I'm like no we'll help you we'll help you so um a group of friends were like let's bring it back so we brought it back with a vengeance we did a three day summit at Baruch College we did three consecutive Saturdays um and Baruch was gracious enough to give us a really good deal on the space um it was a little weird because I didn't think we would come on a Saturday but packed it out every Saturday and we had three awesome um panels of people from various aspects mm. and it was kind of solidified like after that it was March 2013 like alright we gotta make this a, an official thing like we gotta make this like an organization and keep this going um, and I mean primarily I think there's a lack of in terms of information or real information for people that um, are interested in getting into 
of the industry and on the professional side. That was really my first. And, and I stopped separating artists from what I am, a music professional, because artists should view themselves as music professionals. So I, I used to kind of separate, like, no, we're not really for artists. We're more so for people behind the artists and, like, people that want to work in a creative field but don't really understand what opportunities are there. But, I mean, artists should definitely be educated about the people that they should have in their team and, and what people do respectively at the different institutions that, you know, they have to work with through their, in their careers. So it's just a really, you know, I really felt the need that that was lacking. And then not everybody, like you mentioned earlier, what was there were the conferences, yes, by, you know, Billboard and AdAge and all of them, but, and even now remote, you know, and I, I personally don't even like go to those things because it's expensive. Right. And I personally think information is best served in small, intimate environments. So, like, I have my own theory as far as, like, educating people and connectivity and there's a reason why certain things are done a certain way behind the music versus other people, you know, versus other um, events and stuff like that. I really just think there's a, a really solid way to ensure that people connect with one another genuinely and um, retain information um in a way that's impactful for them when they leave the actual event. So like, when you go to conferences and seminars, it's just, it's just a lot. Like, right. it's a lot. Like, you know. <laughs> I agree. I think, I think they're, more, they're more of like a production mm-hmm. than say, I mean, I'm, I'm sure like, you know, there, there are like gems that are dropped and to yeah. be collected, but you know, the music business, in, in my estimation, has always been, I mean, mostly all businesses, like a, a personal, like face-to-face business, but more so the music, because it's, it's like a, it's an art thing, it's an energy thing, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I think when you go to these things, you're really just gauging passion, and, and you want to connect with somebody who has the same energy level as you, but it's kind of difficult, as you said, because a lot of times people are rich on passion, but not rich on cash, right. so they can't make it down to Miami or Atlanta or what have you for for a uh, right so but when I did attend a Minds Behind the Music like it was intimate everybody was engaged you know what I mean and um, I, I really feel like it it, it gave a, a great opportunity for up and coming artists and as you said like the, the community of, of skilled individuals around the artists to, to be able to you know get some valuable information and to be able to connect with people to be able to execute the information. That's that's the most important thing is that I think a lot of the conferences don't hold themselves accountable for what happens after. And I think with me, that's what I wanted the difference to be. You know, and I was telling Travis, I was like, we haven't, there's a lot of initiatives because the team is small right now and we haven't really done fundraising and stuff yet. But when we have, like, a full team and, and, you know, we're taking our time and building out things, but, you know, we have real testimonials. Like, you know, we find people jobs. We've connected. I mean, like, people DM me on the ID all the time. They're like, oh, I met this person, and now we're doing this together, and we're collaborating together, and now it's awesome. You know, like, so it's, like, really satisfying to see what happens after. Like, you know, people actually meet and collaborate, and the conversation so it's not just a one time, ooh, I went to a little music conference and got lit. Like, great, but what happened after that? Right. Like, <laughs> did you get a job? Did you, did you make some money? Like, <laughs> so, and I'm also really a stickler for the speakers. I think traditionally speaking, a lot of these big budget um, conferences are really, well, the, with the exception of Revolt, which is probably way more representative of people of color. But billboards and, and again, ad agents and even women in media and all these different organizations are not very representative um, for people of color in the field. You rarely see, um, you know, people of color from all backgrounds um, on a panel or speaking or in a position of power. So I had a problem with that. And I had a problem with, with like, something with, like, Revolt. I think a lot of executives, though they're great and they've had illustrious and amazing careers, they're irrelevant. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I just mean like what has he done in the past five years? Absolutely. What what artist and or person like you know what what can you accredit yourself to in the past five years? 
You know, Yo, that's so true. it's just like, why yeah. am I talking to you? You can't sit here and tell me about digital strategy, exactly. playlisting strategy. Yeah. And it's changed in the last five changing. years. Fasting, so know? it's just like, yes, Judy Greenwald, you're amazing. And I would love to have sit with you and talk to you about your journey. But you really can't help me right now. Yeah. Right. I think <laughs> all, all, all business, you know, regardless of the vertical, is, is designed that way. You, you'll have people who, you know, they put in their, their 10,000 hours. And then they got to the point where they became decision makers and made a lot of great decisions for their company. But then after that, you become an executive. As an executive, in my estimation, like your your um your responsibility is to handle handle just everything outside of you know what I'm saying. Like you're there, you're there as a name, as a brand to be like, oh, okay, this is such and such. All right, I can throw my support behind it, but. They, uh, I, I think maybe like seventy percent of their time should be spent grooming individuals. I agree. You know what I'm saying? For to take their I position agree. because a lot of times they're antiquated in their very so, very much so. And I think that's a huge problem in the music industry mm-hmm. and why it's so ugh, just stinks of unprofessionalism and inefficient employees across the board, not just in labels, but media and all that stuff. I think the executives that did put in the work and were, you know, were brilliant and brought it to the table and called their way to the top, forgot to reach back. And I feel like now they're all trying to struggle to remain relevant and why they do these, you know, conferences and stuff like that. I think, yeah, there's a little ego involved because, you know, they still want people to know who they are. But the real way you stay relevant is in your legacy you know, credit credit you for where they are. So I feel like a lot of them don't look at it that way mm. for whatever reason. It's weird. It's just really odd. Like I never understood that. There are amazing and there are amazing people in the business who do do that, and you won't hear of them. They're not going to be you know on the list or whatever. They just do what they do because they love it, and they've been in the business for 20, 30 years, and they're probably friends with some of those same executives, but they're a little bit more genuine in why they do. Absolutely. So those are the people that we bring, you know, to the table. Absolutely. Yeah, we want people Definitely. to meet the people that you don't. Actually, if you can't mention some of uh, the panelists that you've had at the. Oh, uh, oh it's right. a few, right? It's a lot. Uh, it's a lot. <laughs> um, who comes to mind? I'll, I'll pick some names of people that you'd be familiar with. <laughs> um, well, I guess because I just talked to him. Yomi Dasalu, who is now. Shout out to Yomi. Shout out to Yomi. Yomi is the homie in the band. Um, he's now like heading up programming at BET. There you go. Um, Rob Markman, he's doing amazing things right now at Genius. Wow, well, I missed that one. Um, Shout that out to Rob. That was the one in Baruch. Um, Onazmir, who is mm-hmm. still running things at Rock Nation. Um, Got some Kevin Lowe's management. Hmm? I just thought about um, the guy from Kevin Lyle's management. Oh, JoJo Brand. There you go. JoJo Brand. I can't, I mean, you just gotta look up JoJo. Yeah. JoJo's a character. But he was definitely <laughs> very more like, well, JoJo is so candid and so real. I, I really, that was one of the funnest one on ones that I've done. That was, that was, was good. Like, I took so much out of that. Like, you, gotta, you guys gotta understand, if you get a chance to go to one of, and if they mind behind the music conferences, you're going to take some more. You're going to learn from the panelists. She asked a real question. Like, you, you have a chance to ask a question. You know what I mean? And also, you're going to just enjoy the vibe and the energy of the room because everybody there is hungry as well. Too. Which is cool. You know what I'm saying? I want to shout out the women's panel we did because I really was very humbled to be part of that. Nice. So we have Nicole George Middleton, who's the head of Rhythm and Urban Membership at ASCAP. We had Katie Schlosser, who is, I think, the head of artist relations for North America at Spotify. And then formerly, she's no longer at Caroline Records, but Leote. Um, oh, I forgot her last name. Damn it. Blackmore. Yes. Leote <laughs> Blackmore. Um, who's basically head of marketing at Caroline Records, but she's no longer there. But nonetheless, that was just a real dope. That was the one that broke, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was That's so. really, really dope. Right. So, just even showing that um, Anastasia is one of the perfect examples that you know everybody has twenty four hours in a day to do what they, to do it to reach their goals. Um, 
you heard about her company, ING Agency, her nonprofit she founded, Miles Behind the Music, but she's also an artist manager as well. Um, I used to throw these shows called the Dream Society Next Up Shows in 2014. And he's going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they're coming back. They're definitely coming back, you know. Uh, <laughs> But it was one particular artist, and in, in my showcase, I, I, I forgot which one. I think it was it was actually DSX the three, I think. And it was one particular artist that caught Anastasia's eye, and I was happy that I was able to, you know, just connect the two. And her name is uh, Tangina Stone. Don't worry, you guys, she'll in the rainy season. She'll be fine. <laughs> so talk more about your experience with, you know. Um, um, artist management and um, and uh, just working with Tangina and the whole journey and, and, and how, how has that been? Um, I feel like what was this name? The perfect. I felt like I was managing artists and didn't know I was managing artists. Wow. As a publicist, um, particularly at, at RCA, heavily involved with management team. Like we are the hub, so like we deal with so many facets. And we have to understand everything and what everybody does so we can do our job. So I have, you know, I have to know how to read PDFs. I need the radio reports. I need chart position. I need to know what marketing is doing. I need to know what a and is doing. What's the sound? What's the brand? When's this coming out? What's the date? Release planning. When are we blocking this? Da -da 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 -da. Are we doing Walmart suits? Are we doing targeted suits? Da -da -da -da. When does this hit? Blah, blah, blah. And then we have to come, you know, bring all that together and do our pitch. Oh yeah, this is coming out. Da -da 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 -da. So can we pitch for the July cover? Da -da 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 -da. Can we do GMA morning suits? Some morning suits. So it's just like we deal with everybody, inner, outside, management, media, venue booking. But like we literally deal with everything. So. I came into it kind of having an idea of how to do things, and managing her has kind of helped me refine different things. Mm -hmm. And it's taught me extreme patience. Um, I think a big misconception is that a manager tells an artist what to do, and that's not my job. My job is to guide her and reassure her and also help her bring her vision to life. And I think that's why management, a lot of managers fail at what they do also publicists my job to create a vision for you. You gotta do that shit yourself. Like yeah. you need to have a firm understanding of what music you want to make and what type of artist you want to be and then tell me and you know be able to verbalize that and have an idea in the you know and then we work together to bring that you know to light. But I don't I'm by no means telling her or you know like that's not the relationship that we have. And I, I feel very lucky that I, I was surprised she went scooped up. True. I was like, no one to you, what? So it's just been a real interesting and fulfilling, I think I was writing an email today to somebody, and I said it's been challenging, but very satisfying um, to look back and see all that we've done together and independently. Um, you know, we're just now getting to the next level. And um, it's it's good to see, again, like, from an artist, what was important for me was to, for her to, um, for, to see her grow and adjust to the failures and also the letdowns and when her expectations were not met. Because that's when I'm going to see, okay, whether she's ready to, if she's ready for certain things or not ready for certain things. Because... I think there's a very skewed view of how artists make money, number one, and then two, how they got to the level of success that they're at. There's a there's an extreme amount of misinformation out there about how that actually works. So as she has seen how things actually go, she just rested. She hasn't gotten deterred. She hasn't. She's actually gotten more laser focused on what she wants and is comfortable with waiting for that rather than. Oh, I need to do, I need to do, like, uh, like, no, like, that's not something she's pressed for. It's something that if it comes and it's right, we're more than happy to explore it, but it's not something that we feel is necessary to attain what we want. Right. And I think that came from working together and understanding one another and really being in the process. And, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't run from the process. Like, there's no overnight success. <laughs> you can't cheat. You can't cheat. Like, you can't cheat. Like, you really can't. Absolutely. Like, 
no matter what nobody you cannot cheat. So like it's been it's been dope and I'm really excited about what we're about to do. The next project coming soon. Coming in October. There you go, you heard it. Tangina's coming October. Okay. Okay, okay. So I wanna ask a couple questions from like a, an artist's point of view, because you do have a wealth of information, right? And mm-hmm. just even um for an artist to even talk to you, it's kinda like an opportunity that they should take immediately because you could just save them a whole lot of money, you could save them a lot of time, mm-hmm. and you can you know, you can really ease a lot of stress for them just depending on you know. <laughs> right, well, all the information you got. I'm trying to like. It'd be crazy. Do you remember Black Thought was on some whatever, and like they were Black like, Thought. they were like nice. door, seat, right? He was going with it. Eminem did that shit too. I was trying to like, you asked me about stuff, and I was like, drop it on my. Whatever you you decide to marry here first. For a new artist breaking out on the scene, what's What's, um, <coughs> in your opinion, the way you feel they should go about getting exposure? Mm-hmm. And, um, starting to cultivate their own audience. What ways can a new artist do that? Break into the scene. Er, you gotta be specific about what type of artist. Let's say if it's a, uh, a rapper. Okay. Um... Oh, hip hop is in a weird space right now. I think I'm a big fan of Logic. Like I've been bumping his new album for a minute, and I think I love the things that he says um, in it. And I think not just him, but I think when you look at people's camps like Chance and even your Kendricks and your J Coles, I think there's just been a real trend in terms of. Um, cultivating a following and cultivating an audience independently um, and really doing the groundwork first and I think a lot of artists particularly rappers are lazy and where they are from they don't understand that they need to still pay attention to their neighborhood and to their hometowns they need to pay attention to DJs. They need to pay attention and build the community. Mm. And and even for those like your little Yagi's and your little Uzi Verts, like they did that, but they focused on a very particular audience in that community. Mm. So it's not you know like it's not like you know it's it's I think it, again going back to what I said, it's like if you don't understand what type of music you want to make and what type of artist you want to be, it's gonna you're gonna waste a lot of time figuring. You're gonna put out shit, it's not gonna hit. You're gonna wonder why, you're gonna try something else, you're gonna get new producers, that shit's not hitting. But it would help if you would really have an idea. Like, and I think, again, like, I don't bash any artists because, regardless of what people wanna say about even like designers or little Uzi, they have brands. Mm-hmm. They know what the fuck they're doing, mm-hmm. they know who the fuck they are, mm-hmm. they know who their audience is, and they know who they're targeting. True. They know what music they're making. Mm-hmm. They know why the music they're making. Because it's working. And and they're getting a following. You know, like, they're not stupid. They may be a little lackluster with the, with the bars. But it's <laughs> like, a little weird. Because they're weird. But, you know, they know what they're doing. You may not like the music that they're making, which is fine. You don't have to listen to it, but they have an audience. Yeah, it's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. So I feel like rappers sometimes get a little chip on each other. Oh, anybody think my show? And I'm like, well, do, do people know about your damn show? Like, what, what, like, why are you making this music? Who, who are you sending it to? Mm-hmm. Like, like, I feel like they don't even ask those questions. And it's unfortunate, but even as a new artist, it's not the same. You can't just be in your basement and just make it. You can. But if you wanted to go somewhere right now, right. you'd have to ask yourself those questions. Unfortunately, it's not as organic as it was in the early 90s. It's just not. So, <laughs> so new artists, before they even come, they should figure out who they want to speak to. Right. Like, right. why are you making this music? Is, you know, like, is there a reason? Like, it's just, 
I mean, there can be nuances of genuine stuff, like a kid in high school, everybody thinks he's nice, and it starts there, and then he starts coming out, but it's still community-based. Right, right. Like, people, you know, he's still making music first and foremost for his immediate community. He starts putting out mixtapes, shit start hitting him, that's kind of what Kendrick did. So it's just like, it's still community-based, and then it grows. Because it's just, it's still like, it has to start somewhere, and I feel like a lot of rappers are skipping that that process. They're just like, oh, I'm going to put something on SoundCloud. Uh, what? Like, <laughs> just throwing it up without any type of without direction. Without any type of direction. Right. And, like, not to say it's not a lot of shit. It's possible. You right. could put out something and it gets playlisted somewhere and it, boom. Mm-hmm. But then that's not for sure. That's still not success. Mm-hmm. What happens next? You know, what's what's the plan five years from now when you got to put out album number three? You know, mm-hmm. like, you know, like, right. this real, this real, the more, the more, Money that comes into the mix, the more people that come. I think I put a quote the other day like, you really start working 10 times harder once you got a publicist, a manager, a team. But yeah, you really gonna start working. True, true, true. Because now other people are eating off you. Right. And so, yeah, the responsibility is not just on yourself. True. Since, and since artists don't make money off of music like that anymore, they right? Do. They do in different ways. Well, There's 46 streams of income. There you go. This is about what are some key ways for artists to monetize? There are forty six streams. Forty six ways. So forty six ways. We're going right back to that. He's all right. I'm gonna run through a few. First and first and foremost, let me let me break something down Mm. so artists can really understand how this shit works. Mm. Let me get my notes up because I'm I'm, I know how to explain it, but I'm gonna. Because I know it's recording. A song is really two parts. So understand that a song is two components. There is the composition, meaning the lyrics, and the music, the notes, the, the beat, whatever you want to call it. And then there's the actual recording. Now, you make the most money if you own both. You are you own the rights to the composition as well as the actual recording. Keys. But artists like Rihanna, why she her ass works so fucking hard is because she doesn't own the rights to the compositions of her music. She owns the rights to the recordings that I mean, I think she owns her masters now, I read that somewhere. But oftentimes that's not even owned by the actual artist who's singing the record. So so for further explanation, I'll use, I always use Rhea as an example because this is the best way it was explained to me and it clicked. So Rihanna's record, Stay. Stay is not Rihanna's record. Stay is written by Mickey Echo. Mickey Echo owns the composition. Rihanna owns the rights to her particular recording, which is on her album. Rihanna makes money from certain streams from that particular recording, but so does Mickey. But Rihanna does not make money from certain things such as publishing, sync placements in commercials or film or TV, um, public performances. That goes to Mickey. <laughs> and Rihanna needs Mickey's permission to even do all of that shit. So she wouldn't even be able to promote a record or, or sing it on Saturday Night Live. She wouldn't be able to tour with that record if Mickey Echo didn't say, yes, you can. So a song is always two parts. It's the actual person who wrote it, made the music, wrote the lyrics, and then there's the artist that actually sings that particular version. I can go make my own version of Stay, but let's say my version is popping, it picks up. I still can't do certain things with it. I have to go back to Mickey. You can't make money off of it. Right. I can sell it on iTunes. (laughs) And yes, Mickey still gets a cut of that because he owns the record. Yeah. So even you you can still make money performing live, perf- no. performing that live, right? No, Why I don't not? have the rights to perform that. Mickey has to, I, Mickey has to let me perform that live. So, but how <laughs> so does that? But how does? All right. So, devil's advocate. How does that work when, like, say you have to perform? Like, let's say somebody invited you to perform at a like a halftime show. Oh, you have to get weeks clearances. Business oh, okay. legal. Like <laughs> you have to get. Shit clear when I was in, like, and that sometimes went through our department because we were doing the booking. So, say we have an artist that's going on Good Morning America, we have to get shit cleared. 
by all the owners of that record. Right. And if we don't get it clear, they can't perform it. So we have to go through A and R. We have to go through business and legal and get and the, the they need parents. We have to get that signed. Like they're not gonna air something that and get them in trouble and get them sued because right. that will get the network in trouble. So yeah. So just so people understand that there's two parts of a song always, and that determines how much money you can make from it. Which is why songwriters are so much better and so much more lucrative. Especially if they're similar songwriters because they own their music and they perform it. Versus, and it's expensive to work with an artist who can't do shit, can't write shit, because then you have to source writers and you have to source other people. Gotcha. And that costs so much more money than just working with a songwriter. Gotcha. Like Tangina. Tangina writes her music, she owns all her music. Right. So she also there's two parts of the song, which is the composition and the, the recording. The recording. There you go. There you go. So, a lot of artists don't understand that. <laughs> so, shout out to all you motherfuckers taking beats that you don't own. <laughs> so, with that said, how there are 40, 45, 46 streams of revenue. Songwriter and composers, they make the most money. They are the most lit. They can sit back and don't do shit. <laughs> you, get your, you get your upfront fee plus. Go from Plus the publishing. So you can get a publishing advance. Yeah. You can get signed to a publishing deal. And you get an advance. And basically, you only have to make sure that you make good on the advance that they give you. You have to, you have to deliver a certain amount of records. So you can just be a songwriter and just have a publishing deal and just write music to people. Right. And get paid. This is more... Advancing that in terms of getting an actual publishing deal being offered to you, but nonetheless. Mechanical royalties, meaning what I was talking about before. Payment from performances, payment from streaming, sync, all of that. You need to be set up to make money off that. And a lot of new artists don't do that. They don't register their music, they don't copyright their music. This shit is not even registered with the um, PRO or B or none of them. It's not registered on MRI, it's not registered on Sound Exchange. There's no type of recording going. Mm-hmm. So how the fuck are you making your money? Wow. You got your shit on Spotify, you think you lit, you go through two core, but you're not seeing any money from publishing. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, huh, wow. waste of time. Definitely <laughs> <laughs> get a couple more keys put on so they know. Like I said, streaming, public performances. YouTube is a public performance, people. Mm-hmm. So that yes. counts. Yeah, YouTube definitely. <laughs> YouTube, YouTube definitely is a public performance. through with that bag every now and again. Yes. Think places. Think can keep you alive. My songwriters are so lit. Again, there's people that there's people that just write music for film and TV. They make wow. millions of dollars a year. They wow. they they write yeah, a score. True. They that's write true. a score for a film. A friend of mine from from high school had had uh had a jingle that got picked up for some mm-hmm. commercial in Japan. Yep, that's crazy. And then yeah. just like dropped out after that. It's but yeah, you jingles are huge. Like um like movie scores. Uh, television themes because these are things that get played right. over and over over and over again and that is collected through your PRO right mm. so that's why you should get copyright registered well you I mean I would I always say if if you're a newer artist copying copywriting a single one at a time is expensive mm. so you should do a body of work yeah. so if you're going to put out a body of work you can put out stuff before it's a poor man's copyright. It's on iTunes. You own it. It's clearly public. Or you could like mail it to yourself. Right. Like, Don't open the envelope. <laughs> and then register the body of work, whether it be EP that's or LP, at one time. Yeah. Yo, also, too, for everybody that's listening, like copyrights, especially with music, is really not that expensive. I think it's like $35 yeah. per. Right. So you can like literally, you know, put your body of work together and instead of Peace and is Anastasia was saying, like, you can just put your put body of work together and send it in right. to the government, and they'll take care of you um, right. after that. And even before that, when I was talking about there's two parts to a song, a lot of artists, even at the inception, at the inception, they fucked. They broke out the studio and don't know what the fuck is happening with their music. It's just like, you need to understand. You be that person. You're like, okay, guys, here's your switch <laughs> All right. <laughs> So what percentage are you going to take? Because I think I wrote the hook. And I, 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 like, I need to 
get that shit done. Splits. So Splits. You under, if you don't understand your splits, you're not making money. Mm. So who owns, I think artists need to first and fundamental, who owns what? Mm. And then who has the right to do what with it? That is going to determine how much money you make from anything moving forward. Mm. Even shows. Like, you know, like, it's just, it's so fundamental that the, the back end, the business side, and like working with Tangine and the artists that I work with, that is like one of the first conversations I have with them. I'm like, where is your shit set up at? Like, <laughs> <laughs> do you think, just, just to uh, interject, do you think that the one of the reasons the, the landscape has changed for um, the business of music mm-hmm. is because traditionally there are so many mouths or so many individuals at the table but the pie has gotten considerably smaller. I think... Because prior, you'd have, like... Like, you were saying there are benefits to having an artist that can do multiple things. Like, you can write, arrange, do all this stuff yourself. So you're actually, at that point, you know, these are... If you're writing and arranging your own stuff and producing your own stuff, like, if you play, those are three individuals who are not collecting right. from that pie from anymore, that right? right? But at the same time, you... You still kind of need that community around the artists. You know what I'm saying? So it's about leveraging. Cause like going back to Tangina, for instance, like we're not against working with a larger producer. We understand that that split might be a little higher, or paying um, a producer for a beat, which may or may not depending. It's all about, like I said, an agreement, having it in writing. So if you're going like, and that whole executive producer thing and all of that, like. Literally, like, people like Diddy and Pharrell, they can come in and be like, all right, executive producer. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They, they give, Let's I, I take see that note out. Your voice. Uh, <laughs> so, safari. Executive producer. Like, because they are who they are. Yeah. And that's why people get mad at Beyonce. I'm like, Beyonce, motherfucker, Beyonce, yo. Like, what the fuck? What you mad at? She can do it to like, she's helping you out, boo. Like, <laughs> like, she's, like she's helping your ass out. Like, it's your job to go and tell people that that's your record. If Beyonce, and then a lot of songwriters get fucked because they get excited and like, oh my god, Beyonce wants to buy my record. Yeah, and she bought that. She'll give you twenty thousand dollars for that record, and Which then you probably see, like, yeah. So legally speaking, people talk about Beyonce. If Beyonce both bought that from you, and you gave up your rights to the song, yes, Beyonce is the right. Is, yes, can you she bought it. I have, <laughs> I have a question. Can you lease the rights to music? Is there is there is there any such thing as leasing? That's when you retain the ownership of the composition, like Mickey Echo. Mickey Echo owns that, but Rihanna, you made her version. She has my version. I can go make a version, but Mickey Echo always gets paid. Mm. So that's when you when you retain the rights to the composition, that's your bread and butter. Your publishing is the bread and butter. So a lot of people are just very ignorant and get excited. And typically speaking, it's like the sports industry. It's like you want people to remain ignorant because it's easy to take advantage, it's easy to make money. Like the record label doesn't want you to know this shit. For what? Like they just want you to show up, make music, sing and dance, and here's your check. So it's just like, meanwhile, so many other people are making so much bread off you and you're not complaining because you over here making one cool million or two you know what I'm saying? Like you cool, but you don't really understand. That's why you all these nuances, you see, see the Tony Braxton, you see a TLC, bankrupt, bankrupt. You're like, how the hell? Like, how you just made that? Just like, yeah. But they never really had, they never, because how, but I mean, the the thing about record companies though, is like, you're always, you're always in the red with them, you know what I'm saying? Like, if they give you, when they give you, when they give you advances, like, Styles P was one of the first artists I remember when, uh, 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 interview, like, on Hot 97 when I was younger, he was, when Gangsta and the Gentleman came out, he was saying that. He's like, yeah, you know, they gave me a, a large check. Like, let's say they gave him, like, his budget was, like, 500000 He probably spent, like, 50000 70000 making that album, you know, back and forth from wherever he's recording, like, promo and stuff like that, and just pocketed the rest. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But even when you pocket the rest, like, if you don't do the numbers that you're supposed to do, you owe that money. You owe it back. So a lot of, you know what I'm saying? And then... And then so I, I really feel like you know this is kind of like a catch twenty two. Like yeah, you have these small gains and wins, but you're the artist is never really 
placed in a position where they can be financially they independent. No, they are, and I'm not bashing labels. This is why, like, I have a big bone to pick with the artists. Like, I don't feel bad for South Street. Like, you should have negotiated better. Do you should have managed your money better? I mean, he good. He eating shout to the juice bar. Like, <laughs> either way you look at it, <laughs> a, a, a label is an investor. So even if you own a business and your mm. investor gives you a specific amount of money, they need an ROI. Gotta pay. Mm. A label is an investor at the end like of the fucking that. day. Like, that's all they're doing. And they're giving you more than some investors do for businesses. Mm. Some investors are just monetary. They don't give you no counsel, advisement, nothing. They be like, okay, here's money. Let me know when I get my, when I get my investment back plus interest. Mm. Like, a label... You get, you're assigned a marketing person, you're assigned an A&R, you're assigned a publicist, all in-house, and you have resources. Right. right. You you have resources at your behest if you know what the fuck you're doing and you have a good team. Don't walk up at a label thinking they're going to do everything for you now. I don't know. Like, here's your money, here's your team. Go for it and be fruitful. Like, that's... <laughs> but, but were, were labels like that at one point? I mean, I remember, like, all you have to do is just be the talent. Like, I mean, if, if you had people old, to This is not old town, honey. God, Barry Gordy is my idol. Mm-hmm. Because, look up, let me tell you, that man don't get no credit. Barry Gordy, Motown, you, you could smell it, you could see it, you could hear it. You knew that artist was on Motown. The minute they came so out, the way yeah. they looked, Barry Gordy was a visionary. Mm-hmm. And he had a team of song. Oh my God, Smokey Robinson! Like yeah, team of songwriters that created a look, a feel. You gonna dance? You go do do? Yeah, that's what we gonna do. That's what we gonna do. Come on, Michael. People like I don't got to fight. They were like, I was like, you know who created like that? Suzanne right. the Past, Smokey Robinson, and Barry Gordy. Wow. <laughs> Created Mr. the magical man Michael Jackson that he is. So it's just like. Yes, it was wonderful to have those houses. And even people who are like more recent, like L.A. Vida at one time, you know, very much involved in honing a talent and working with them and developing them. But the times have changed because now artists can are really, I think artists want more control. They just don't want the responsibility that comes with that control. Yeah, they're not you ready can't for have they, both want they, don't, they don't have the team to... to you can't to, have it both ways. You can't fight with me your label who right. gave you your money and gave you your life right. and then don't listen to that's not how this works. Mm-hmm. So it's just like yeah, that's, I mean, that's how I feel. Perfect example. Perfect. I feel like every every artist's situation is different. Like some artists, like yo, they they need that advancement to get out of their situation now. Right. And it's like that's the you know that's the they they get the money and they get to do what they gotta do or whatnot. That's their saving grace. Some artists are a little bit more a little bit more smarter, a little bit more savvy, more business savvy. I mean, even the ones that everybody holds on a pedestal, especially in hip hop, you talk about Rockefeller and you talk about Bad Boy. They went out and they created something that was that was viable, and then they sourced investors. Right, like, the investors started coming to them. Right. right, they didn't go have you know they did like Jay Z talked about it all the time. He tried to get a deal, nobody wanted to give him a deal, right. so he went out and started pushing his own records. Indeed. And so like it was was it was on a small label. I forgot the name of the label. Priority, I think. Priority, yeah. So it's just like they went out and they proved themselves. Then Def Jam gave them that check. Right. Right. So it's like even like it's not that it's that and that's what twenty years ago. So mm-hmm. it's just like what not much has changed. Right. You still have to prove you have to show and prove before they really fuck with you. Mm-hmm. This is how the game is. And that's and now it's just like that amplified. Right, and you see houses like Chance. You see like Logic, like again Logic right. Chance rapper like killing it right now. Mm-hmm. Like they don't even, they they don't even need they don't even need them. Mm-hmm. Like label, I don't even think it would it wouldn't even. Makes sense for a label to sign to this yeah, It would be fiscally irresponsible. They <laughs> can't afford him. Yeah. Like, what are you going to offer him? Absolutely. But he's not already doing himself. So we, we want to thank Anastasia for dropping all these keys. If you want more information, uh, uh, major key. Keys, keys, major. <laughs> If you want more information, <laughs> definitely um, go to her conferences that she has between Miles Behind the Music. Also, we have a workshop series with her as well, too, that um, the next one will be coming up with. We will, you know, we'll look at Trev like he's crazy. You know what he's talking about. We will, we will inform you guys about that, you know. Um, but um, okay. tell them where they can find you, you know what I mean? And tell them, you know, what's next for IMG Agency. And... Uh, I mean, I'm in the streets. Um, I'm on every social media network. Probably the best is finally LinkedIn. That's where I will probably mm. respect you the most. <laughs> oh, you hear that? Yeah. Don't slide in her DMs. No DMs. <laughs> 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 
She like, yo, give it to the assistant. Like, <laughs> she's like, you know, the links don't even work on Instagram. It's like, it's like, it wasn't even on here. Um, so, Anastasia Wright, I'm on LinkedIn. That's, I'm Is on that right, W-R? W-R-I-G-H-T, okay. like the Wright Brothers. Well, that's like the best way to find me. I'm on all social media by my government name, because mm. that's how I make check. I'm really easy to find. The I-N-G way, that's T-H-E-I-M as in Mary, G as in go, W as in Wrigley, <laughs> A-Y dot com. And mine's behind the music dot org for information on what we have coming up. We have a heavy fall programming schedule. I'm like uh, tired just thinking about it. But I'm about to announce all those events and stuff soon. Nice. Let's do it. So thank you again for being on the Driven Minds podcast. Fun, Let's do it again very soon. Let's do it. This is another episode of Driven Minds. Yeah. And never give up. You're always one work away from your masterpiece. You already stay driven. <laughs>